the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. We are regular people on a quest to discover the treasures in God's Word. My name is Matt, and with me today we have Karen. Hello. And we have Eric. Hi. Tracy will not be with us today. He was informed by his wife that they are going to be out of town, which is how it goes for men. We, he said he doesn't know his own schedule, and yeah, that's that's pretty much the male uh, status, I think. Especially ironic this week because it's a marriage weekend. <laughs> so, uh, so we've been um, going through the Book of Job here for the last several weeks, and. Um, we've been talking, listening to uh, an interesting dialogue between Job and his friends, and um, who's right, who's wrong, who did what, who kicked puppies, who didn't, and um, through it all, Job has tried to maintain his uh, integrity, declared his innocence, and has wanted to talk to God, and here he finally gets his wish, and... Um, I'm not so sure he's happy about it once it happens. Uh, he, he starts here in 38, and it says, um, said the Lord answered Job from out of the whirlwind. And that was interesting to me right off the bat, because I remember, and you'll have to remember, that, remember me, <laughs> remind me of the text where it talks about how God didn't come out of the whirlwind. He's how he came. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah. He didn't come out of the whirlwind. He came out of the... Still, the small, still boys. small boys. After all the violent storms, and then he was just the still small boys. Yeah, so it's almost as if here God was trying to make a point to Job. And I guess really from all the words that he says uh, to Job coming down here, it maybe I think maybe he really was um, trying to make a point that, Job, you are not in charge here. You are not the one who gets to dictate what's happening. Um, you are actually rather insignificant uh, in the scope of things, um, even though God is not one to just push us aside and, and as if we were insignificant. He gives us a lot of, of uh, attention that um, maybe in the grand scope of things we're unworthy of. I don't know what he you guys Well, in, in this case, he actually held Job up as an example, mm-hmm. like to, to, the, to the supernatural forces of good and evil. Yeah. And was like, hey... Check out my tiny pee on human Job, right? Yeah. And this is this entire book comes of that. Yeah, yeah that's um, the irony. Oh, sorry, Karen, go ahead. Remember in the New Testament when Jesus is baptized and he comes up out of the water and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and the voice of God is heard, right? Mm. And but then to most of the people listening, it just sounded like thunder. Yeah. That I remembered that when I was reading through this. Yeah. About him coming out of the his voice coming out of the storm. Mm-hmm. See, so, say that's the the irony of of 38 through 42 is is the is the is the idea that on one hand it sounds like the lord god is saying you humans are nothing you got nothing for me blah 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 but i think what god is doing is offering some perspective and that perspective is perspective that's not always welcome on our end um, but it's important to know who who is God and who is not God. Yeah, and He's setting this uh, straight, and at the same time, remember Job. Job and his three friends, actually all four, don't know about Job chapter one and two. They don't know about the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. They only know about the 
the, as the servant says in, I believe it's chapter, it's either chapter one or two, fire came down, quote, from God. And this yeah. is right after Satan was given permission to do whatever Satan wanted to do. Yeah. So they still think all of this is attributable to God. Right. And God is setting some boundaries here as to who's God and who's not. And that's really interesting to me that these these chapters, these readings really echo Isaiah chapter 40. I mean, just it's pretty amazing how, especially the latter part, where it just talks about the the, the grandeur of, of, of God. Okay, for example, 40, 21, Isaiah, do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? And this foundations of the earth stuff is not to be overlooked. This is how John starts his gospel. John chapter one. Oh, yeah. This is the from the found Jesus from the foundations of the earth, which also informs us. Maybe we should stop talking about like this is God thundering at Job. This is Jesus talking to Job. Yeah, this is a picture of Jesus that we're a little bit like. Uh, I'm more comfortable having this be the thundering God of the Old Testament than Jesus, but it's Jesus mm-hmm. because he's in creation quite clearly. Um, he he, nothing's been made that has been made except through him. So we we've got this. He this is twenty uh, Isaiah forty twenty two. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in? Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth emptiness? And, and it goes on and on. I mean, it's just like this grand scale of things that I think is God shows up, Jesus shows up in, in 38 and essentially says, let's get some perspective. Yeah. And this is... When we really think about it, the, the bickering that's going on before Elihu talks, because it's very interesting. Job blames his friends, and to a degree, he blames God. Yeah. And his friend, his three friends blame Job. So they're back and forth. You did it. No, you did it. No, you did it. No, you did it. God did it. So they go back and forth, and I'll admit it's a little tiresome uh, for a while. And Elihu, it's very interesting. He doesn't spend any time attributing who did stuff, like like who's wrong. He's not concerned about who's wrong. He just says, let me tell you who's right. Yes. Yeah. And and he his speech is entirely about the grandeur and goodness of God. Full stop. Mm-hmm. That's it. He, he doesn't address a whole lot of other things, except he calls Job and says, really, you're, you're going to go out and call God wrong so that you can mm-hmm. so that you Justify can be in the yourself. right. Yep. Yeah. Which is which we went. You know, we, I, the first time I read that, I was tempted. And I thought, well, maybe. Maybe that's just Elihu being a jerk. But then God says the same thing to Job. Yeah. All right. So, so Job, you know, you'd be, you'd think that that might just be Elihu, you know, talking like assuming things that Job is saying, putting words in Job's mouth. Mm -hmm. The first few times I read it, that's what I thought Elihu was doing. And then here it is in, in Job chapter 40, verse 8. This is the Lord speaking, and the Lord answered him out of the whirlwind. Whirlwind, and we all get this part, like dress for action, like a man. I'll question you and make it. Okay, but in eight, will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be in the right? 
Yeah. Mm. Oh, when I saw that, all of my, because I'll admit that the first, I don't know, 10, 15 times I've read the book of Job, I'm like, but Job's right. Job's done all the right things. Mm -hmm. This shouldn't be happening to him. It isn't fair. And I'm like, why is Job in trouble? And then, and then I think I finally, on this read through with this group, understood what Elihu was getting at. Yeah. And what God is getting at. And that is him saying, you don't understand. Like, you do not have the scale, the scope, the perspective of what's happening. And your assumption is that I'm wrong because you don't understand. Right. Yeah. And that's a tough. Think of how many times when we were kids and our parents did things that we didn't like, but we had no comprehension of why they were doing what they did. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, from simple things to complex things that we would have, as kids, we would have said, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Do the other thing. Yeah. But we didn't, we didn't have that perspective. And I think that's what's happening here um, as God is basically just putting, which is, it's frustrating because to me, and a, l- a little bit, because God doesn't say, hey, let me, let me let you in on a thing. Yeah. There's this guy, Satan, and he set this whole thing up. And you're an example, you know, to the universe of the fact that you choose me in relationship over stuff. Because essentially that's the, that's the premise that Satan goes into this with. It's like, Job, nobody really loves you. They just love the stuff that you give them. Yeah, you've protected yeah. them and their stuff. Right. And that's the premise. And it strikes me as going through Job is that Job believes the prosperity gospel just like his friends do, which is why Job spends so much of his time saying, but I didn't do anything. Right. Yeah. Because he's quite sure that like, look, if I didn't do anything, if all this stuff happened, then something's wrong. And it's not me. It's not my theology. Must be God. (laughs) Which whenever we say, you know, there's been a misunderstanding and it must be God in the wrong, that's time to get back and read Job 38, 39, 40, 41, and <laughs> go, well, maybe yeah. if there's a misunderstanding, it's us that doesn't get it. Yeah. So I also was reminded of a passage in Isaiah, reading these few chapters, but it's in Isaiah 55. And it's the part um, where it starts in verse 8. Where God says, so speaking of perspective, right? So there's God's grandeur and power and whatever. But to me, what I get out of that is I am God. You are not. This is my perspective. These are my abilities. Now trust me with it. Yes. And that's the tricky part. Yes. Okay. So not just a reminder of the grandeur, but following the grandeur, he never explains to Job that there's a chapter one. That. And yeah, so this hard. is this yeah. is where the this that's is where it reminded me of Isaiah 55, where it starts in verse 8, and he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then he goes on to say, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Right? So so I am God, you are not. Here's all the obvious reminders from nature that put you in your place and me in mine. Now trust me with it. That's so what that's, it is. So that's yeah. the thing that I got out of it as I was reading it. 
That's so good. I'm going to put that in the sermon today. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for those of you listening, I'm I'm, uh, (laughs) speaking today, and um, the topic will be Job because we've spent, we will have spent close to four hours um, (laughs) talking on it, and actually five, um, including last week, but we didn't record. For those of you listening, (laughs) we uh, had a little bit of a a technical difficulty uh, recording, and so we spent about 40 minutes or so just talking about the book of Job um, off the microphones. (laughs) That's how we roll. Well, we argued with the computer. Yeah. Well, but we, that time was a blessing because it, um, I think, it helped me round a corner as to what this is mm-hmm. and to what's going on. And that Isaiah did come up to me, and I will be bringing that up today because that's that's where it gets. And to, to Isaiah, I'm sorry, to Job chapter 40, verse 14, God is asking Job all these things. You know, where were you? You, if you're, if you can do all of these great things, and then in 14, 40, 14. Essentially saying, if you can do all this, 14, then will I also acknowledge you that your own right hand can save you. Yep, yep. And it is my premise that sinners who know that they're sinners have no problem reading Job 38, 39, 40, 41. They're like, sure, God is God. I'm not God. This is, I'm okay with that. It's the righteous people. It's the people who have done good all their lives. It's the people who have used neat handwriting and crossed all their T's and dotted all their I's. That when God shows up and says, yeah, sorry, your goodness is doesn't amaze me. We're like, but we have rights. We did the things. <laughs> and we put ourselves in Job's place. And it it's hard. Yeah. It's difficult. Because when we really, really, really look at this, God is who he is, and we are not, and our goodness doesn't, I mean, we, 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 can, we can show him love, and we can show him honor through our obedience and through our goodness and all those other things, but in the grand scale of the universe, it is almost as if we have been asked to jump to the moon. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, our, that's what we have to do to, to get the medal. And we have a vertical leap of 22 inches, and we're like, come on, like, I'm pretty good here, right? And we don't realize we're a few hundred thousand miles short. Yeah. And that's, that is, as I read it, one of the difficult things, because Job has to realize, and he does, that actually, no. And, and through this all, it struck me this last week in reading, that if Job holds the prosperity gospel, as true. His faith in God is even more amazing. Because in his universe, the way things work is I do good, I get blessed, mm-hmm. and if people do wrong, they get cursed. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute, it looks like I've been cursed. Yeah. But he still, still there. sticks with God. Now he questions God and he says, Hey, I deserve better, and this shouldn't be happening to me. So he gets that part, I think, wrong in the grand scheme of things. But the fact, and this goes back to God's understanding of Job's character, God is spot on, that even even though what's happening to Job seems to go against Job's understanding of theology, i.e. how God works, Job says, I'm still sticking with God. Though he slay me. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him, which which is even more amazing. Like He's like, look, 
all the facts that I thought I understood about theology seem to be wrong. I still choose God. Yeah. Through all of this. And that is wow. It's like we've, yeah. we've, we've, we've done the book of Job uh, a disfavor by saying, you know, the patience of Job. And it's, it's the faith of Job. Who has that kind of faith? Right. Mm, yeah. To think, oh, I thought it was going to turn out this way. And it totally didn't. It's 180 degrees from how I thought it was going to turn out. And I will trust God anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so Jonah was popping into my head while you were talking about that. And the contrast of that where when everything goes God ends up kind of doing exactly what Job thought he would do. I knew you were going to save the Ninevites. <laughs> I, I knew, knew you were it. going to do this. I know oh, that he's. Why well, didn't want to come? And then he sits and pouts. It just I don't know. It just uh, I don't know. The, 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 it just struck me funny. <laughs> I, I was thinking of the older brother in the prodigal son story. Yeah. Like all the attention is on the prodigal son and his relationship with the father and the mm -hmm. welcome back. And it doesn't matter how far you've sunk. And you were eating pig's food and now you've returned home. And the older brother is like, I've been here the, the whole time. time. Where's my party? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's where Jesus had the hardest time. He had the hardest time with the righteous people <laughs> because they they really kind of couldn't understand why they would need a savior. They're like, well, we've done all the right things. I we have increased in goods and have need of nothing. That's right. Hmm. Uh, and it's hard to help somebody who's in peril if they don't believe they're in peril. Yeah. 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 Why are you trying to, wait, what do you think? In fact, a lot of times people almost think you're being hateful if you're trying to help them and they don't think they need to help. That's a pretty common thing these days. You're judging me. You're judging me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm, I'm in this burning building and somebody rushes in and I'm like, hey, why are you taking me out? I was just getting warm. <laughs> <laughs> and and don't realize how it's going to turn out. Yeah. That's the thing. Hmm. So did anybody else just have fun reading about Behemoth and Leviathan, especially Leviathan? Yes. <laughs> yes. I have scales and breathing fire and oh my goodness. I've got biggest. I've got two notes. What is Behemoth? What is Leviathan? <laughs> and the book of Job is not going to tell you. <laughs> not really. Nope. I mean, there's speculation. I mean, what straight up sounds like a dragon. I mean, it's pretty it does. fire. And I don't, I'm not familiar with dragons in the water. That would be. Yeah, like that was interesting. Leviathan, like with all of that armor, how does it float? So basically mm -hmm. it's a cooler dragon than even you imagine. Yeah. It's a cooler dragon than the Loch Ness. <laughs> so, all of that. But yeah. And I, yeah, I want. Uh, there's part of me that wants to sit here and just consider all the possibilities of what they could be, um, but I recognize that that's really not the point of what of the passage. <laughs> I'm well, he bothered a to say it. Well, yeah, but I'm taking a book out of Eric's out of, or a page out of Eric's book here, where it's like, okay, that's what it says, but that's not really the point of the passage. Where it's really cool, and these guys might have known what Leviathan and Behemoth were. But well, the, yeah, or he wouldn't have been referencing right. them. Yeah, but the real point of it here is that God is saying, "You cannot deal with this thing." Right. I can. Right. And in fact, right. I made the thing. Right, and that's where, um, as we were talking about in, in last week when we were not able to record, but that God chooses the biggest things that Job has comprehension of. Pleiades. To use as examples. Mm -hmm. Orion. 
Right. So, I mean, he's, he's, he's talking about nature and he hints at things like, he's like, okay, so there's the dawn and I make that happen. Oh, by the way, do you know where light comes from? (laughs) Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked the recesses of the deep? Right. I mean, he, he stays away from things like subatomic particles because Job can't see them. He'd be like, what, what are you even talking about? Or or supernovas or black holes or things like this. He sticks with things that Job can at least, at least, Job knows that he doesn't know. But there are things Job doesn't even know he doesn't know he doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> and God doesn't even go there with Job. He sticks with the things that at least Job's going to say, oh, I know about the thing, but yeah, I can't explain it. Yeah. God could go into things that Job's like, I, okay, I, what, do you, what do you mean? Um, Never heard of that. Yeah, the, the other, the invisible parts of the light spectrum. Mm-hmm. What? Can I see x-rays? What's an x-ray? He didn't have this comprehension of all of these things that do exist mm-hmm. that were far beyond. But God picks the biggest things yeah. in space and in biology and says, now what about that? Yeah. And Job has to admit, not only can I not handle that, and you can handle that, you made that. Yeah, he mm-hmm. covers everything from like the behavior of animals to all the way up to the biggest things in space that Job knows about. Also, there was a section in 3822. There's lots of talk about the apocalypse and what will happen when politics finally blows up the world and whatever. (laughs) But there's this section where God says, have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? Straight out Revelation. Yeah. That's, uh, what is that? Uh... Yeah. Where was that? Uh, 38, 22, and 23. Yeah, 30, 20. You've got a mark there. I do. So. Yeah, direct reference to Revelation. And I was like, huh, looky there. It's already prepared. Yep, yep, sixteen twenty one. Let's see, let's, let me look that up here real quick. Revelation sixteen twenty one. just so we get the reference you know, here. And as, as we're looking that up, I think it's important to say again that Genesis 1 and 2 some Christians will say, let's just metaphor. Mm. Job, God, as he's talking to Job here, is not speaking like metaphorically. Right. I mean, like the Leviathan, you know, developed over eons of, of competitive, you know, species adaptations <laughs> and so on. Uh-huh. And so really, I don't get any credit for that. No, the God that we're reading about in Job takes direct credit for making this stuff mm-hmm. and for controlling it. Yeah. None of this is a deist, like, well, I kind of started the ball rolling by throwing some, you know, biological matter into a warm soup and heating it up for you so mm. you get kick this thing. There is no such hint of that here. No. So to to go that route with the creative God, you've got to not only cut out the part, first part of Genesis, you've got to cut out where, where God shows up in Job, you've got to cut out Isaiah, you've got to cut out Revelation, where it talks about recreating all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so basically you're straight back at evolution and you don't have a God. Yeah. You don't have a God. Yeah. So that reference here in Revelation 16, 21, and great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Um, men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. Interesting that God is referencing that so early in the narrative. That's another thing that strikes me about the book of Job is that 
if, and I don't know how scholars do place this as one of the earliest books in the Bible. I, frankly, I just don't know. No, right. Um, Karen? I, I do. Okay, go. <laughs> um, it's because of the references to the land that he lived in and stuff like that. That's my understanding of how they placed it in there. Oh, the geopolitical yeah. situation. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So if this is, in fact, a really, really early book in the Bible, the, the later patriarchs would have known about the book of Job. Mm-hmm. The psalmist, Isaiah, all of these people would have known and they'd go, you know what? Actually, we were told, not only did God create this, but there was this guy, Job, who kind of was struggling with where he fit in the grand scheme of things. And God broke it out for him, broke it down. And he said, here's what's going on. And there is so much of this foreshadowing, kind of as you you guys mentioned, in the book of Job. There's Redeemer. Showing up here and saying, right. well, wait a minute, if this idea of a redeemer didn't show up until Jesus was born and John preached about it, what's the, no, this idea of a redeemer goes way back, goes back to Genesis 3. Yeah. And it shows up again here in Job and an intercessor. It shows, yeah. it's, it's twice. And you know what's super cool? I don't want to, okay, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead. Spoiler Do alert. It. <laughs> We're going to go to Job 42. What's really, really interesting is not only did, did earlier in the book, did I believe it was a, uh, Job talk about, I have an, um, an intercessor in, in heaven who is pleading for me, mm-hmm. is that at the end, when God shows up in 42, and he says uh, in 42, 7, and the Lord spoke these words to Job, the Lord of your life as the Timonite. My anger burns against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Okay, so we get that, is that God comes and he sets the first three friends and says, you guys have not said what's right. Eli, who's left out of that? But it's it's eight. Now, therefore, take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up burnt offerings for yourselves. And my servant Job will pray for you mm-hmm. and I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. God is asking Job to be an intercessor. Yeah. I think the way I put for it is Job as priest, I think. is what He is. Like. Yeah. He is. He Job becomes their priest and intercessor. And I thought, wow, where have we seen that? Later, it's called the book of Hebrews. Mm -hmm. It's the whole thing of Jesus being our intercessor for us. When we've done wrong, we've had, oh, let's say maybe wrong theology, is that we have hope. Yeah, We have hope in in saying, hey, I got it wrong. I need an intercessor to bring my case to the throne of God, and I, I will let that happen. I think it's a beautiful thing. I'm going to bring up something which we talked about a couple weeks ago that I'm still curious about. One of these days, I will really put some effort into trying to track down an answer. You should see the look on Karen's face. She's really excited about this. (laughs) No. Remember that text in 1 John I was thinking about? Like, Uh where humans can pray for forgiveness for other humans, right? So it's not that we're taking Jesus' place. Like, Job knows he has his own intercessor. He knows he's got a redeemer, and that's Jesus. And in spite of that, in spite of the fact that Jesus exists and his role as redeemer is established, God still asks Job to pray for his friends, okay? So now here's the verse that we were talking about. Again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I think it bears repeating right now. 1 John 5 and 16 and 17. 
If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin. There is sin that does not lead to death. Okay. Mm -hmm. So as little old humans, we are encouraged. So in Job, God specifically says to Job, Job, do this. I am angry with your friends because they spoke inaccurately of me. Uh So I am asking you, I am telling you to pray for them. And if you pray for them, I will forgive their transgression. Okay, now that does not put Job in the position of Jesus. That's not the same thing. But there's apparently some kind of prayer mechanism set up where we can pray for our fellow man. Hmm. And ask for there to be forgiveness for something that's happened there. Now, I don't understand all the ins and outs of that, but I'm kind of fascinated by that. My my assumption here would be that as that intercessor praying, you are also praying that they will repent. And if they repent, then they'll be able to be forgiven because they'll have kind of figured things out. Am I making sense? Well, it talks about degrees of sin there. Yeah. It doesn't talk about repentance. It talks no, I about know. I understand sins that. that lead to death. I'm not talking about praying for about sins that lead to death. I'm talking about yeah. other sins. But, but so what you're saying is if we pray for them, then they'll repent and then they can receive this intercession. But here in Job 42, 9, so a life as a Timonite, Bildad the Shuhite, Zophar the Namathite, went and did what the Lord had told them. Okay, so they already had repented. And took action on it. And took action on it. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Yep. So uh-huh. it's not just that they were driven to the Lord to repent. is that Job's prayer, act, even after their repentance, still has some sort of intercessory mm-hmm. thing that happens. What yeah. is that verse? The fervent prayer of a righteous person okay. avails much. Yep. Yeah. And, okay, I don't know what that means either. I don't either. <laughs> but, but, it, but it says it. It says that it does. And here's the thing, the book of Job, is that if we go to what God says and we say, I don't understand it, but I'm going to take action and believe it as a fact and yeah. move forward. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I do with prayer. And there are people on a prayer list right here on my phone that... Um, that I pray for, and I do not understand how it works. Yeah, I don't understand how it works. And I have decided that I don't have to understand how it works in order for it to work. The universe didn't wait for Eric to figure out how <laughs> gravity worked to, 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 to put it into action. Like, it was happening before I understood that it was even a thing. And so I am taking the prayer. Now, I want to know more about it so yeah, that yeah, I can do totally. it well yeah. and yes. do it right yeah. and so on like this. Not to sell that short. But its efficacy isn't dependent on my understanding. Right. <laughs> Only you're stepping right. out in faith and doing it. Right. Right. Maybe it's just, you know, part of the collaborative process. Not that uh, I'm going I'm to... There's a lot going on in the universe that There's, we... And that's, yeah. that's part of my message today is... There is just a lot going on mm-hmm. in the universe we don't know about. Well, what if I watched everything on YouTube? Would, would I know everything then? <laughs> I feel Not, like you'd know a lot. Even. <laughs> Some of it would be good. And so that goes back to um, Job 20. And this is the problem. This is the problem that Job's three friends have. 
And it's our problem today. It's Job 20, uh, 1, 2, and 3. Then Zophar the name of thy answered and said, Therefore my thoughts answer me, because my haste is within me. I hear censure that insults me, and out of my understanding a spirit answers me. So Zophar here is just, he's like, I'm pretty smart. And out of my wisdom, I'm going to answer you. And Zophar's theology sells books today. And yet, in 42, God shows up and says, you know, um, you know my anger burns, uh, for you have not spoken of me what is right. And so even, I guess what I'm, what I, what I'm getting at here is that Zophar's um, a pretty wise guy. I'm not putting him down. He's got the best wisdom of the day. And he's in the majority. Mm-hmm. You know, three out of four uh, of Job's friends. Three out of four friends agree. <laughs> right. Furthermore, he agrees in principle with the prosperity gospel with Job himself. Mm-hmm. And my point with this is saying that just because it's contemporary theology and it has a majority acceptance does not make it true. It can be dead wrong. Even with, because the, I mean, going back to the early church, just because, I mean, just because there's a majority doesn't make it right. You know, you, you've, you've got in, in kings, these kings going to battle, and it's Ahab. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, you know, it's the king of Israel and the king of um, Judah get together. And I believe it's the king of Israel says, well, isn't there a prophet of God? And Ahab's like, well, we've already asked 400 of my prophets, and they already said it's okay. Huh. And there's one guy I already know who's going to disagree with me. So I don't like anything he says. Let's not ask him. <laughs> um, so numbers, and, and just in case you're wondering how that story turned out, the 400 were wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. And, and, and uh, the, the king does in fact die as a result because the one guy who was speaking for God was speaking for God. And just because it was a ratio of one to 400 does not make the 400 right. If God is the one saying, this is how it is, that's how it is. And it's not a majority vote. And that is my point in bringing this up, that saying we should be cautious as we, number one, claim to speak for God, mm-hmm. um, which gives me great pause. We should hold open the opportunity that I could be wrong, and I'm willing to be corrected. And first, before any of those things, is that we should inform our opinions by what God has said. Instead of, and this is what I think, and I'll try to look for something that God said that kind of reminds me of what I thought already. It's what did God actually say? Yeah. And go with that. Mm -hmm. So all of this is reminding me of Proverbs Three, five through eight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, capital H, and he will direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your bones and health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it yeah. goes it goes right with uh, Job 42. And it's the last part of Job's... Um, 42.6, where it actually made sense to me this time reading through. Job is, I had always thought, is that God's just thundering and just like, I'm so much bigger than you, and I'm so much more awesome than you, and what can you do? And Job's like, okay, all right, all right, uncle, uncle. Mm-hmm. I think, I really believe that Job really, truly 
understands at this point what's going on. In, in 42.5, I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And I think the crux right there is self in verse 6, is that up until now, Job, Job's self has been pretty good in Job's own eyes. It's like, my, myself has been pretty good. Yeah. I've been pretty good. My yeah, he talked is, about it for chapters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I he, haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. He goes on about how awesome he is. And he's been pretty he's pretty good. He he beats me. He trumps me, man. He's <laughs> way better than, than Isn't me. Isn't there a Pharisee in the New Testament? Lord, I thank you that I am not like these other sinners. Yeah. Isn't there a guy that I seem it seems like I remember that? Yep. Yeah. Jesus he wasn't God. the hero of the story, but <laughs> right. And I think when Job says, Hey, wait, self, myself. In the scale of things, you know, a thought was pretty awesome and not so much. I'm actually willing to let God be God and myself is going to step down. Mm-hmm. And that, surrendering that that right, which is what Job has been asking for all through the book. My right. I have rights here, you know. Self-righteous. Right. I have, I have, my rights have been violated. You owe me, you know, kind of these things. When Job lays that down, that's, that's when things wrap up. Mm -hmm. And I think when we are willing to say, God, I do not understand. And I'm willing to give it to you to carry from here. Actually, that takes it, that takes that load off of our shoulders and puts it on his. Which is simultaneously disturbing and a relief absolutely so i like god's intro 38 verse 2 all of these people have been talking 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 we've got 37 chapters of well basically what 36 chapters of talking and then god's response is Hmm. who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge yeah. And you just, this is where you just got to step back and just <laughs> let God be God. And he doesn't need your permission. He doesn't need your understanding. He doesn't need your approval. He's already doing the job quite well. Yeah. And you can just relax and let him do it. And right after everybody who has been claiming that they have the moral high ground and God walks in and goes, you're all wrong. <laughs> You've been wanting to talk to me this whole time, and guess what? You're all wrong. So I actually think that these these seven verses in 40 are really important, so I would actually like to read them. So in 40, 8 through 14, we kind of referenced them earlier, but I think it's important to read them. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Mm-hmm. Do you have an arm like God's, and can your voice thunder like his? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor, and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at all who are proud and bring them low. Look at all who are proud and humble them. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. Like, that's what this all boils down to. Yes. Just before that, verse 7, where God says, Now prepare yourself (laughs) like a man. (laughs) When I first read this, it almost sounds like this challenge to his masculinity. The more I think about it, I think it's, you know what? Prepare yourself as well as a human is able to. (laughs) 
I, I, the more I read it, I think that's God's point. It was, it's not so much this, it, it, yeah, it's not that challenge to masculinity. It's a challenge to his, his status as a human. Really? I was having more fun with it the other way. I figured you would. Since I'm a girl. <clears throat> no, I you think are? I actually, you know, it'd be easy to read that. Like I'll question you and you make it known to me and get ready. I think we would read that like, all right, Job's supposed to get ready to give an answer. And I don't think that's what it is at all. God's just saying, all right, hang on with both hands. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Because I'm actually going to lay a little truth on you. I'm and blow it's, your mind. It's going to take all your strength just to stand up and listen to the answer. You have no answer. So just let's just get that out of the way right now. But we're <laughs> we're going to pretend for your ego's sake that you'll have an answer here for this. Yeah. <laughs> but really what I need you to do is just hang on so that you can even hear my statement. Mm-hmm. Well, and Job's response to the first spiel of God, where God introduces it with the same thing, is, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. Yeah. That's the part where I shut up now. And then in 42, to God's second spiel, he says, Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things right. too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen, and I will speak. I will question you and you will answer me. And that's when he says this. My ears have heard you. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. He got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also thought about this. Is that if, if Job and his friends followed this prosperity gospel, okay, just stick with me here, that if you do good, good things will happen to you and not bad things because bad things only happen to bad people. Job is good. He has good things happen to him. Job is good. Then he has very bad things happen to him. Wait a minute. Their theology is freaking out. Mm -hmm. He's cursed, right? By their theology. Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's blessed again. What just happened to their theology? I mean, all of them must have been like, wait, what? Because you can't be cursed if you're doing good but then if you're cursed that means you're bad but then you're blessed again so it means god blesses the bad with good after i'm sure at this point they're like okay I, we we we, truly, we don't know what's going on right. because none of this makes sense to to our idea which which absolutely is an early um big picture if you step way back you see grace here's these Good and bad things happening to everybody. And then God says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm God for, for everybody. And I want to be gracious. that this Because it didn't fit any of their theological models. I mean, yeah. God just says, I'm so much bigger than your picture of me. And I think that even having the insight to Job 1 and 2, we should be cautious and step back and say, maybe... I should rephrase that. Certainly, we do not understand everything about how God works and about how the universe works and about his graciousness and judgment. So one of the things that as this wraps up that really struck me again in looking at the entirety of the book of Job is that from Job's perspective, this is about Job. And from his friend's perspective, this is about Job's behavior and God's rewarding. And at the end, we, from Job and his friends, all four of them, it's the perspective of, and God is really big, and and you don't really understand what's happening. 
But if we take it all the way back to Job 1 and 2, all of this stuff that we're seeing on the ground is a result of what's happened in the halls of heaven. This is about Satan accusing God. Yeah. This whole thing that plays out down here, yeah, it involves Job, and it involves his friends, but what it's really about is it's really about Satan's accusations of God not being fair. And that is a big picture thing that plays out. We see that God um, was right in that Job was faithful to him despite his misunderstanding of theology and so on. So Job chooses relationship over theology. He's like, okay, one of these two things is wrong. <laughs> and I'm going to let go of my theology and go with relationship, which is so scary. Even though to... I'm incredibly upset about it. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a which is a scary, dare I say, horrifying thing to the people who put together good theology. <laughs> yeah. It really is. But Job clinging to relationship, he knew God. He knew God, and he said, I am going to pick him over my circumstances, even though I do not understand it. Relationship trumps the theology, yeah. which is pretty scary because we want to make theology central. But that's the on the assumption that we have correct theology about everything. Yeah. And Job doesn't, and he chooses relationship, and that's what sees him through. And God knew that Job would choose relationship and that he would cling to it with both hands, as you say, Karen, mm -hmm. the, uh, though he slay me. Yeah, right. You know, yet I will trust in him. And that is, that validates, that faith of Job validates God in that heavenly courtroom. It does. That's pretty metaphysical. Pretty big deal. But it goes back to God being right, because he said, I, I know how this is going to unfold. Mm -hmm. And he was, but it's premised on Job's free will. Yeah, yeah. Which he exercises in God's favor. Mm -hmm. So, at the end of the book, in verse 12 of the last chapter, it talks about what happens in the rest of Job's life. The mm -hmm. Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. And he, it rattles off how many animals he had, and he has just as many sons and daughters as he did before. So this makes 20 children, which I feel horrible for Mrs. Job. Yeah. because that's My wife terrible. mentioned that. She's like, I'm not sure that's a blessing. Yeah, a blessing uh -huh. for who? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Also, I would just like to point out that all of Job's daughters were gorgeous, and one is named Karen. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just, there we have it. It seemed like a small, relevant point. And um, oh, it it, this reminds me, this does not renew in my mind the prosperity gospel, okay? So this eventual blessing, like God is blessing Job, and then God removes his protection from Job, and, you know, havoc ensues. And now God blesses Job, and he appears to be protected. Is this a reinforcement of the prosperity gospel? And it reminds me of the text in the New Testament where it says, don't say to each other, tomorrow I'm going to go over there and do that. Say to each other, if God wills it, I, tomorrow I will go there and I will do that, right? Yeah. And so it, it encourages all the way. I think it's Paul. It seems like that's Paul that said that. And it, 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 it's a reminder that there is a bunch of stuff going on over and around us. We don't know what it is. And to keep that in mind, because when we make our tiny plans, 
in the grand scheme of the universe, they are tiny. Mm-hmm. They're big to us, right? From our perspective, they're yeah. big. But in the grand scheme of things, they're tiny, and we need to make room for the bigger things that are happening Yes. in the physical realm, in the supernatural realm, so that if we don't get our way, if we are shocked by disease or misfortune or divorce or something like that, that sort of leaps out of nowhere and bowls you over, it's not you. You're not yep. the center of it and yep. keep that perspective. So, so by say, by continually saying now the first, you know, 3 million times I read that text, don't say tomorrow we will go do such and such. Say if the Lord wills it tomorrow, we will go do such and such. The first few million times I read that text, I thought, well, okay, but I mean, we're given free will. We're supposed to make our own plans. No, it's the continual acknowledgement that our plans are subservient to this bigger thing and that we don't know what that bigger thing is. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so Karen, as you're talking about the, and we don't know, mm-hmm. and the blessing of God, I, I can't help but think of the children of Israel in the desert as they're complaining. <laughs> and they say, oh, blah, blah. And God says, well, Okay, let's try something. I'll withdraw my protective hand and let's see what happens. Mm, yeah. And these fiery serpents come out from everywhere. Those fiery serpents were always there. Yeah. Because the devil is roaring. Yeah, he's, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeing who he may destroy. The devil, when we see what he does in Job chapters 1 and 2, he wants death. He wants destruction. He wants awfulness. And he wants God blamed for it. Yeah. And when God removes his protective, we are all, we are all targets for Satan. Mm-hmm. Here's something interesting that I actually re- found um, just yesterday, and it really blew me away. Let's skip to the New Testament, Luke 22. And this is Jesus foretelling Peter's denial. Um, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. So a couple things here. One is that Jesus is praying. He doesn't just say, you know, well, you know what? You should pray more, um, Simon. He says, I have prayed for you. Jesus is preemptively. So Simon doesn't even know these things are happening. Yeah. Yeah. He just, he's like, wait, what? I got shot at? And Jesus is like, yeah, you got shot at, and I stepped in the way, and I prayed for you. Mm. Here's, here's the thing that actually really took me to the floor. When Jesus says, Simon, Simon, he's talking to to Simon, but he's not talking to Simon. Because get this, Satan has demanded to have you. You is plural. Wait, how do you know that? Biblical footnote from the Greek. Oh, okay. Satan has demanded to have you, plural, that he might sift you, plural, Uh like wheat. Mm. Yeah, humanity, planet Earth. Wow. Yeah. Satan is the prince of this world at the moment. Yeah. Whoa. He wants all of you. Yeah. Satan says, I want all of them. Yeah, whoa. No, that's crazy. Yeah, that actually, I was like, oh, uh, uh, help, <laughs> help. <laughs> like, I, I mean, you look at what, what Satan was able to do in Job 1 and 2. He and brings fire down. He brings his supernatural wind from the desert. He instigates people to war. Mm-hmm. He instigates people to theft. You don't think Satan can instigate somebody to, let's say, behave badly against his people? Absolutely he can. But Jesus is saying, I have prayed for you. I have interceded for you. I am keeping my protective hand around you. 
And Satan has said, that's not fair. It's not fair. They should all be mine. I and, won this planet by their choice. And But God's saying, not so fast. Everybody gets to make their own choice. Not so fast. Which is pretty mind-blowing. Which yeah. is really amazing. Which, Part of the gospel. Which speaks to God's protective power, his care, uh, and... And creating a way out for us. The, the whole thing. So, we were born into this cesspit, but we don't have to stay in it. So as I started the book of Job here again for the nth time, I don't know how many times I've read it. I, it, was a, it was one of the hardest books for me. And it still is. Job, Job actually asks a number of questions that it does not answer. But the answers that we do get is that God is good. He is trustworthy and he is for us even when we don't understand. Yeah. And it has trans transformed the book of Job for me personally from a book where like I don't get it. This is just a bunch of arguments to like wow, God is for us in a most awesome way even when we don't comprehend it. And it's now it's kind of become a faith book instead of a patience through suffering book, which is this is really not what it's about. Right. It's it's about a faith and God being a God of good. And this is a supernatural battle that we're caught in. I'm remembering what you said before, though, about the old Sanskrit version patience, of yeah. what patience is waiting without internal struggle, waiting with peace for a known outcome. Right. And so that's where God's character can trump the circumstances that you find yourself. And you can trust that and wait for that in a grander scale instead of waiting for your circumstances. You, little old you in the center of the storm, your personal storm, to reflect the state of the universe. Yep. So it's all about, is it's all about knowing that in the end, it's like Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives. Yeah. And I will see him with my eyes and not another. Mm -hmm. He's like, look, I, in the end, that's how it turns out. In the meantime, got a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> and pain. Yeah. And pain. And that's very, very, very real. But in the end, I'm going to choose God. Yeah. It's an awesome thing. Well, I think that's going to do it for the book of Job. Hope you have uh, gained some insight from it. I did. Thanks for having That's good. So uh, now we are going to go back to the book of Genesis. And I think I want to do, we're going to start in chapter 12. And I think I want to go through chapter 17 because we get into, well, we've already been introduced to Abraham. We will get, uh, it, but we also will get introduced to um, the idea of covenant and the sign of that covenant and so that's uh, why I want to go as far as into 17 so next week we will be doing Genesis 12 through 17 and we hope you will join us then thanks for listening